the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome. Welcome right on back to our itsy bitsy, teensy weensy Saturday night show. And I'm Randy Corcoran, your pumped up purveyor of principled, passionate patriotism, fired up, ready to go after clomping around in heavy duty steel toed Harley Davidson motorcycle boots at the Motorcycle Expo this afternoon. And honest to goodness, I've been going to that for. Uh, years, literally years, and I, I was disappointed. I know there was some violence a few years ago. I was there the day before, and they almost, I think they maybe canceled it for a year, or or uh, they certainly changed the rules. A lot of police around, a lot of biker clubs, and uh, but I was just wholly unimpressed with the, with the classic cars and the modifieds and the motorcycles. Um, a lot of it was lowrider stuff, and, and I, I just like cars and motorcycles that can actually be driven or ridden on the road. And, uh, you know, there was some, some fun stuff, but I don't know. The, the trend for me was not exciting. I don't know if I'll be going back. You ought to go check it out for yourself if you've enjoyed it in the past. It could just be me and sort of the change in my look at things and, and – uh, you know how I'm just feeling in general. I don't know, but uh, it was good to get out and walk around. Beautiful, beautiful day. What is it? About 50 degrees still out there. Forgot to check before I popped in. Let's just take a look and see. Yeah, four, well, we're down to 43 here in Aurora. 47 degrees over there in hell, Denver, Colorado, where I just left from, and it is still hell. It is just run down and dirty, and the traffic, it's so very depressing for a Denver native who loved his Mile High City and was always so proud to be from there. But, uh, you know, I, I just say Colorado now when people ask because there's still some glorious places here. And man, oh man, what a glorious week ahead. 60 degrees tomorrow. We might hit 61 on Tuesday, 62 degrees on Wednesday. So be a nice break here at the end of January. Can you believe we're in the last weekend of January? January 27th. Last time I'm next time I'm here with you it will be February of 2024. And look what's happened, man. We've gone through the first in the nation caucus in Iowa, a 30-point win for Donald Trump, record win by the way. The last time there was a double-digit victory and it was the highest until Trump came along. That was Bob Dole back in 1988, who won the primary back then by 12 points. And then following that, the first in the nation, New Hampshire primary, an 11.1% victory over the last standing Republican opposing Donald Trump. That's Nikki Haley, of course. And I just don't understand why she is carrying on. She's way, way behind in her home state of South Carolina. I was speaking with a, a South Carolina resident the other day, and uh, 
It, it doesn't even seem like it's going to be close. Tim Scott, so many other Republicans coming out in support of Trump. Isn't it time to put a fork in this primary business? At least the Republican National Committee, which, of course, I am a member. I'm your Republican National Committee man for Colorado, had the foresight to stop putting on these ridiculous debates. I attended two of them. One was sort of mandatory. It was at our um, fall meeting. And uh, it was right there in Milwaukee. And so we got, you know, we got transported over there, had reserved seating and all that. The entire committee did. And I just, I found so very little value in listening and watching these folks slice and dice themselves because it was so clear, even back then, that Donald Trump who, you know, basically has the mantra of an incumbent. Uh, so many folks understand that the election of 2020 was completely unfair. You can decide what you will about voting machines, but the changes in the law, the changes in the processes, the CCP communist Chinese party Wuhan virus COVID-19 and all the ways they justified making it so much easier to stuff ballots and cheat votes. And how curious it is that the 450 million Zuckerbucks that flowed in through the organization that our own Republican Secretary of State candidate Pam Anderson continues to be a board member on funneled the vast majority of that money into areas that would help Democrats get just enough votes to win the Electoral College. If you go back and break it down, the range of victory for Democrats nationwide, forget about the popular vote, means absolutely nothing in a presidential, means especially absolutely nothing in a presidential in 2020 when mail-in ballots were the craze around the country, when drop boxes on every corner when ballots received after Election Day, signature verification requirements lessened, voter ID requirements lessened, just all of that nonsense going on. But even with all of it, even with the censoring of stories like the Hunter Biden laptop, even with the lies that were told about Donald Trump and Russia, 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 the collusion lies, and, you know, 51 or 52 top security professionals saying that that was Russian interference, Russian propaganda. Even with all of those things, the Democrats eked out an electoral college victory by between 25 and 40,000 votes nationwide in just the right places to flip just the right states. And so that's what I've been hoping that the RNC would focus on. It seems like that is happening. It seems like the RNC is primarily focusing resources on these battleground states that were won, allegedly, by Democrats with such slim margins. So maybe so. Certainly the RNC is spending a tremendous amount of money, up to around 70 litigations just in this election cycle, to try and strengthen up election integrity voter ID requirements, citizenship requirements, poll watching capabilities, balance in the election offices so that uh, the Republicans aren't shoved off in the corner while the Democrats watch and monitor and, in my mind, manipulate the votes. So a lot of good things going on there. 
They gave up on the debates, as I said, and that was good. Then the RNC almost, and I guess it's been pulled, and they say at the request of Donald Trump, the RNC, someone was bringing forth a resolution for the RNC to vote on to declare Donald Trump the presumptive nominee and just get past all of the millions of dollars that enrich the consultants and the advertise uh, the people who put on and sell the advertising and all of those things. And let's focus on finding a way to unite this very fractured Republican Party. Seems like a good idea to me that's not going to happen. The um, They say, this, I don't have any firsthand information about this, but the stories that are being told is that Trump said, no, 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 I don't want a premature coronation. I want to go ahead and slug this out and earn it the hard way. So don't take that position, RNC. It would have been very interesting, though, 168 of us that vote on these resolutions at the RNC. How would it have gone? Because when I first came to the RNC, I'm wrapping up my first maybe only term. haven't decided whether I'll run again or not. But when I first came there, the never-Trumper faction of the RNC was pretty strong. And, you know, this was after Donald Trump was president. He was elected president. He was finishing his first term. And so how would that have changed? Because what I've seen over the last four years is more and more America first patriots, grassroots level activists, fewer from the wealthy class, fewer from the consultancy class, Rather, people who are getting up off their couches in their neighborhoods, working their way through precincts and caucuses and assemblies to get themselves in position of recognition and knowledge and then even getting themselves elected to important officer-type positions, voting member-type positions on the Republican Party. How would that have translated at the RNC with this particular version of the RNC? A lot of us are up for election uh, in at the end of the pre- – well, for instance, the election, if I run, is in April here in Colorado. And then our terms end at the conclusion of the Republican presidential convention in Milwaukee. So unless I'm elected to a second term, my last act will be to vote and take care of some other business at the presidential convention in August. I think that – A resolution like that might have gone very far because, you know, when it's over, it's over. Here in Colorado, when the Republican Central Committee, the state Central Committee, had an opportunity to vote on whether the Republican Party of Colorado should come out and go ahead and throw its endorsement behind Donald Trump, that vote passed, I forget the margins, but I think it was well over 60 percent. So that seems to be a trend because what a waste of time it is to keep having Haley throwing pot shots at Donald Trump and Donald Trump, although I have to say he's focusing most of his energy on on creepy, sleepy showers with daughter Joe Biden. Uh, I don't know if he should be doing that either because you and I, you have to know. And I certainly believe that Joe Biden can't possibly make it to a second term. I mean, listen to this guy. Beer brewed here. It is used to make the brew beer in this final. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why he's 
Was that a laugh track that was added? That literally sounded like a laugh track that was added to the back of Biden babble. Now, we didn't do that. That that wasn't a manipulated bit of audio from the speech that he was giving or the the, uh, appearance that he was making. But it didn't sound like a – first of all, it wasn't funny. It didn't sound like normal live audience laughter. Listen again. Beer brewed here. It is used to make the brew beer. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why it's done. That's this guy. Thank you, Secretary Buttigieg. Yeah, <laughs> Secretary Buttigieg. Thank you, Secretary Buttigieg. Biden had one more wonderful, wonderful comment, though, while he was in Wisconsin. 14 million new jobs since I became president. 169 new jobs in Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> I, I'd heard that before. I didn't expect to have that wheezy laugh come out. But hear it again. 14 million new jobs since I became president. 169 new jobs in Wisconsin. <laughs> 14 million jobs since I've become president and 169 in Wisconsin. OMG. He will not be the Dem- Democrat nominee. And I've been saying it for, what, two years now? Continue to believe it's going to be Michelle Obama. So I guess Donald Trump is doing a pretty good job of focusing on the policies of the Biden administration, of the radical left Democrats who are pulling the puppet strings on the puppet man himself, Joe Biden. But uh, but to focus on Joe, and we have fun with him because it's, well, it's better than crying. But to focus on him as part of the campaign, to me, just doesn't make sense. I know he's the figurehead for the Democrats. I know he is still talked about as the nominee. In fact, later on in the show, Maybe next segment, we'll play some audio from Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, singing the praises of this guy. We get thousands. Look, we, we, you know, we now have, we used to, before the recession, before the, the pandemic. Sorry, could you say that again? We get thousands. Look, we, we, you know, we now have, we used to, before the recession, before the, the pandemic. Really, really sad. Nuclear codes, commander in chief. Putative president, so-called leader of the free world, we are in a big mess. And that's why Donald Trump's polling continues to expand his lead over creepy, sleepy Joe Biden. Very interesting election future coming up. I mean, man, how are things going to change? How are all these cases against Donald Trump going to impact what's going on? And back for a moment before we get to our first break with regard to the first in the nation New Hampshire primary, I mentioned that Trump defeated Nikki Haley by a little over 11 percent, 11 points. But how much bigger would it have been had there not been an open primary in New Hampshire? CNN was reporting the very next morning. I was in court, in federal court, Tuesday and Wednesday were primary days for the hearing. And I was getting, after the New Hampshire primary on Tuesday, I was getting text messages from all over the place of people sending me stories like CNN, 
who were ta- was talking to a New Hampshire voter who voted in the Republican primary for Nikki Haley to stop Trump, but admitted on camera, on CNN, that he would be voting for Joe Biden or whoever the Democrat happens to be when it came time for November. And there's a website up called Uniting to Defend Democracy. You go to their front page, vote in your state's Republican primary or caucus to stop Trump. That's how Democrats use the open primary. That's how Republicans should be practicing and organizing to perhaps find a way to do the same thing in a Democrat primary. And yet during this court hearing that we had this week attempting to obtain a preliminary injunction to stop the semi-open primary here in Colorado, we had experts for Attorney General uh, for the Attorney General's lawyer team who are representing Jenna Griswold, the Secretary of State, sitting and telling us that their years and decades of scholarly research indicate that Open primaries, semi-open primaries, what are called raiders, people from another party voting in the opposite party's primary in order to influence the outcome are very, very few and far between. Well, you will love what I got the expert for Attorney General Legal Team for the Secretary of State. Lawyers come from the AG's office. Great group of lawyers, by the way. Young lawyers, smart Uh, There were three or four of them. John Eastman, Professor, uh, Dr. John Eastman and I were were on the Colorado GOP side of this equation. Busy, busy couple of days in the weeks leading up to it. But um, you'll be very interested in what I got their, their, you know, sociological assessments of elections and electoral behavior and all of that, what I got him to say in what turned out to be a fairly brief cross-examination, and I will tell you about that when we return. Our phone number here is 303-696-1971, 303-696-1971. Some other interesting RNC resolutions that are going to be voted on next week at the RNC winter meeting, and I'll tell you about those too when we return on 710-KNUS. Back at 521 on your 529 on your Saturday night, I'm Randy Corcoran. Phone number here, 303-696-1971. 303-696-1971. Talking briefly about this open primary, seems to me there's no real debate that open primaries, semi-open primaries, as Colorado's is more properly called, Permit the voters from one party to get in and influence. You know, if you have a sitting president and there's no primary going on on your side, then instead of having to vote on your side, you can register, vote in the other side's party and vote for the weakest candidate. And so I believe that's what happened in New Hampshire. Otherwise, the vote for Donald Trump would have been even greater than the Massive 11.1% victory that he had over Nikki Haley in our preliminary injunction federal court trial this week. The Secretary of State put forth a scholarly witness and uh, very well, uh, you know, credentialed individual seemed to have 
pretty strong leanings to the left, just based on his the things that he had written about and some of the positions that he had taken. But after 30, 40, gosh, probably more like 45 minutes of examination by the Secretary of State's fine young attorneys, where he was basically concluding that, you know, the literature and the studies just don't show that voters getting into another party's primary have that much of an effect on it. Maybe they um, they think that their primary is already sewed up, and so they're getting in to vote for the person who, if the other side wins, they think will do less harm to their ideology or their goals, uh, or they're just wanting to influence that outcome, and, and they're, they're aligning with the member of that of the opposite party that they'll then hang on to and vote for when you get to a general election. But the bottom line was, no, no, semi-open primaries, open primaries just literally have no effect. So I got up and talked to him a little bit, had him acknowledge, you know, some of the papers that he had written and uh, focused in on one in particular that was written for the uh, University of California at Berkeley. And this was about, again, what happens in, for instance, they were talking primarily about California's blanket primary, but they were writing about, researching about, lengthy article, lots and lots of research about the impact of voters being able to cross the aisle and vote on the other side's primary. And he talked, I, he remembered this paper, he remembered some of his co-authors, uh, we talked, you know, about the other scholarly contributions to this paper. And then I pointed him to this conclusion. And I read it to him. And the conclusion says, taken together, these findings point out a striking irony in the situations that allow a party to attract the most crossover voters. Few of these voters will stick around in November. This leaves candidates, party strategists, political consultants faced with a difficult dilemma. And it goes on. And, you know, how, how do these people faced with this dilemma prioritize, strategize and spend their money? And I asked him if he agreed with that. And he he tried to sweet talk around it. And so, you know, I let him sweet talk it a little bit. And then I went back and I said, you know, you, you said earlier that this was a scholarly paper and you stand on the conclusions, and I read this sentence again. In the situations that allow a party to attract the most crossover voters, few of these voters will stick around in November. Did you say that, sir? Was that your conclusion? And his last answer on his cross-examination was yes. And, of course, it's not even complicated to try and sort out or figure out that that's exactly what's going on. I mentioned... This uh, this movement called Uniting to Defend Democracy, vote in your state's Republican primary or caucus to stop Trump. The name of this organization is PrimaryPivot.org, PrimaryPivot.org. You can look it up and see for yourself. And here is their sole mission and their instructions. Our mission, Primary Pivot, is dedicated to protecting our democracy by defeating, 
I love that. Our democracy. We're protecting our democracy. Aren't you special? Primary Pivot is dedicated to protecting our democracy by defeating Donald Trump in the 2024 Republican primaries. How do you do it? Number one, look up how to vote in your state's Republican primary or caucus. Number two, if necessary, temporarily change your party affiliation. Number three, vote in your state's Republican primary or caucus for the remaining candidate challenging Trump for the Republican nomination, Nikki Haley. It's a website. There were tons of stories after the New Hampshire primary. They were sent to me from Newsmax, I said before CNN and others, about interviews with people who voted in the Republican primary just to stop Donald Trump. So that's one of the myriad reasons that we were instructed by the Colorado Colorado State Republican Party to file the lawsuit to try and stop the semi-open primary here in Colorado. Does the Roman Catholic Church go to the Jehovah's Witness elders to select the new pope? Of course not. Do union leaders allow outsiders to come in and vote for new leadership, for the policies, the directions, the spending of a a big, even a public sector union? Of course not. But somehow the people of Colorado thought it was a good idea. They voted, and now the state of Colorado is enforcing what in my mind is a wholly unconstitutional effort to force the Republican Party to homogenize its candidates. And uh, so anyway, we'll be waiting on the judge's ruling for that. It should be very, very interesting. There were a couple of um, stalwart Republicans. Uh, Stalwart maybe isn't the best description, but... Republicans that you'd be familiar with, uh, Suzanne Steyert, uh, her, I think she's back to her maiden name now, Suzanne Tahari, former chair of the Arapahoe County Republican Party, election attorney, worked as a deputy secretary of state under Scott Gessler. By the way, terrific lady, too, and someone who is, uh, you know, has done elec- uh, election work for the likes of Lauren Boebert and other folks that you might be fond of or have been fond of in the past. But she came in and testified for the state. And unfortunately, we were able to catch her up on something, just something that wasn't remembered properly and uh, uh, that she was trying to cast doubts on the fact that we had a unanimous vote by the Republican Central Committee to move forward with this lawsuit. And it seemed to me after we concluded the cross-examination that she had conclu- that she had just confused two votes that she'd had at that same convention. But regardless, and I should have asked her, and I didn't, but I, I should have asked her, did you invite Democrats into your county assembly, your Rappo County assembly, when you were running for chair? Were you soliciting input from the Libertarians or the Green Party or, as I said, the Democrats? Of course not. And the other star witness, uh, Republican Party member star witness for the Secretary of State was Dick Wadhams. And um, and that turned interesting. The more fireworks outside of the courtroom than there were in. Talk about that in a minute. But first, let's check in with our old buddy, Brian in Arvada, who's been patiently waiting. And, Brian, we do appreciate it. Welcome back. Hey, Mr. Randy. 
Hey, did you bring out the Harley today? Or I did not. You know, it was still chilly when uh, when I got out, and I was tempted. But when I got downtown, uh, down to downtown Denver, wind was blowing and it was cold, and you know, I had to come straight to the radio show from the from the expo. Well, you know, when we're younger, be, Randy. I know. We'll ride in rainstorms. We don't care. We'll ride through wind. As we get older, we're going, man, that guy in that car looks pretty comfortable. Well, you know? I, I got to tell you, Brian, I, I used to make fun of my good buddy, uh, Congressman Tom Tancredo, back in his riding days, because mm-hmm. as we all got older, he said that he wouldn't ride if the temperature was below his age or, or no, if it was above his IQ or below his age or something like that. <laughs> and I always laughed at that. But, um, yeah, I just don't. Hey, it, Randy, did did your wife ride her own bike or did she ride on the back of yours? She, a little bit of both. Um, she did, you know, as her, she had some health issues, back issues and stuff. So as, as time went on, she did actually less of both. But she was... We took some one, But she rode her own rides. Harley. She knew how to ride and stuff like that? She did know how to ride. Um, we never got well, her, her own see, Harley. my wife ever. never wanted to learn. She just wanted to ride on the back of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's always nice having the love of your life on the back as well. And we, we had some wonderful trips down to Salida, up around Telluride, over Monarch Pass. And we, I'll tell you this story real quick. And I know you called in for a reason. We'll give you all the time you want. But... Uh, we were coming back from Telluride area or whatever. We just passed the turnoff. Uh, instead of going to Salida, we were heading back toward Buena Vista and then 285 home to to uh, Denver. And storm came in. I pulled off pulled off on the side of the road to get our rain gear on, and a, a bolt of lightning hit a tree, small tree, about I don't know, man, maybe fifteen twenty feet away. And it stood the hair up on our on our backs. You could just smell the the electricity and feel it on the back of your neck and in your hair. Scared her so much that she was literally backing up into the highway. I had to grab her, throw her onto the bike just so she's more insulated from the road. And I'll tell you what, we skedaddled out of there. Well, you know, that's the beauty of bike riding and that's a that that's that's one moment you were actually alive. It's just you, a motor in the open air. That's why people love motorcycles, I guess. Yeah, that's why I've always loved the motorcycle expo too. But I, I was just, I was not turned on by the way the trends that I was seeing and in the, in the way the styling of the hot rods and low riders and motorcycles were down there. But it doesn't stop my love of riding, and sounds like you get it as well. Yeah, my, my uh, son-in-law joined the Marine Corps. I said, well, and it was, I think it was the end of July, beginning of August. I said, well, I'll just ride my motorcycle out there. But I had never went on a cross-country trip or nothing. And I saw, you know, other guys with, like, coats on and stuff. I'm like, it's the middle of the summer. I'm wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> well, we had burns by the time we hit uh, Mesquite. We just got over the border. It was 112 degrees. I'm in a T-shirt. I'm stopping at every gas station, wetting down my shirt and throwing it back on and try to get an air conditioning situation going on, but that didn't quite work out. Yeah. So I actually failed. I failed to my son-in-law because I left the bike in Las Vegas, and I rented a car and went the rest <laughs> of the way to Camp Pendleton. <laughs> so I well, showed up in a Hyundai. He was a little disappointed. Yeah, you you may have to turn in your biker's card there, Brian, because um, we, we On never that one, stopped. I did fail. We never stopped. But my wife was more miserable because I didn't – I had a floorboard. 
you know, with the cowboy shifter, uh-huh. she had pegs. So those pegs, after, you know, 100 miles, they just turn into saws at some point. So her feet were just on fire and hurting. <laughs> but uh, that was one of our great times. We still remember that. We still talk about it. So that's called living. How long have you, been, in, how long have you been married, Brian? Well, I'm like you. I married my, uh, well, she wasn't my high school sweetheart. I mer- moved down to Denver. I met her when I was 17, um, and we wow. married at 18, and we've been married 36 years. I got uh, three beautiful kids, and I got seven um, grandkids and another one on the way. So, yeah, and that's the only reason I call in and I try to fight against this evil that we're seeing is because it's not about me. Well, I, I'm gone may I, already. May I, interrupt you you know? for, may I interrupt you for just one sec? I did not realize yeah. how late it is. Would you mind if we went ahead and got through our commercial set and we bring you back so you can actually make the points that you called in to make tonight? Yes, sir. If you're willing to have me over, I'll stay over. We will stick you on hold, Brian, and we will be right back. Um, in the second hour, I want to make sure we get a chance to talk about this Texas border battle. This may be one of the most epic. This sort of reminds me of... You know, when we started seeing the the miles-long lines, people lining up for Chick-fil-A, uh, all the different power of boycotting or supporting specific businesses and all of that, this Texas border battle, as more and more states come together, is huge. And um, I haven't finished with the RNC resolutions or this nonsense that semi-open primaries don't change the outcome of our Uh, or the quality and caliber of our Republican candidates. We'll continue with that after we have a more uh, informative conversation with our good friend Brian when we return here on 710-KNUS. Yeah, a little different than the old Simon and Garfunkel version of Sounds of Silence. That singer's name is disturbed from 2015 anyway welcome back brian was kind enough to hold over since i had uh, babbled him off into motorcycle rider land but uh, he called in to make a point and we'd like to give him that chance so brian welcome back well thank you and it it was my fault i'm the one that babbled on but anyhow Uh nikki at this point okay we're done with nikki she's auditioning for cnn or csnbc or one of the mainstream media places, I guess. She's done. She knows she's done. The whole thing's stupid. But I had one question for you. Now, we just lived through, or we're still living through, the third term of Obama. Let's be honest here. Joe Biden doesn't know where he's at. He's walking circles. Obama just used him to further his agenda. So now, do you think... Do you think he's evil enough to take his wife and use her for his own narcissistic, you know, nonsense? Well, you know, Brian, as a regular listener here on Saturday and Sunday night that I have been predicting uh, when I fill in for Matt from Backbone Radio and, and hear that Michelle Obama will be the Democrat nominee. I absolutely think they'd love to get a second trip back into the White House. And uh, and I think Michelle Obama has been positioning herself to do this for the last couple of years. She's written the second autobiography. She hits all the talk show circuits. She's building up her social media. She's come out and said, you know, things on The View and other shows like 
you know, my biggest concern is all of the people in this country who don't realize that everything that government does for them and they won't get out and vote in 2024. I just, oh boy. Um, yeah, I think she's going to be the one. Well, you know, he, he's the only president that never left Washington. I mean, we've had corrupt presidents and stuff, but even they get tired and they go, okay, I'm going to go back to my ranch and just live peacefully. But this guy stuck around. Then we get this senile old man, you know, rolling up. So he's abusing him. He's using him. You know, remember, he wants to fundamentally change America. Our borders are wide open deliberately. Matter of fact, when you try to close them, then the federal government sues you and says, no, no, but we're still trying to solve the problem. I mean, it's so dumb. It's just I can't believe that there's people out there that don't see this shit. This is not like rocket science or something, you know. I'm with you. I uh, it, It's hard to believe that more people don't wake up to the intentionality of the open border and, and what the end game has been. I've been talking about it since 2014. People would say, no, no, no. You know, the Republicans just want more workers, keep prices down for corporate profits. The Democrats are wonderful humanitarians want to take in, you know, you're tired and you're poor. Brian, I was watching a video during one of the commercial breaks of a speedboat flying into shore in a on a California town, a California tourist town. I forget the name of it now. And six or seven, you know, military-aged men fit the the powerboat speeds up right onto the shore. They jump out, they run up the side kind of a not really a cliff, but a, a bit of a drop-off there. And they run into the neighborhood, this suburban-looking, you know, well-to-do, not a rich neighborhood, but, you know, middle class, upper middle class. And they run into the neighborhood and just disappear. Just disappear. How many times a day is that kind of stuff happening? Uh, it's just terrifying. I, it, and I no longer believe that there are Democrats out there who don't understand the truth. Well, they know it. They're they're perpetrating all this because they're bought off. Greed's a weird thing, you know. People, there's you got to figure we got three hundred and thirty some million. You're looking at the greediest people on earth. That's the people running the country. Okay, they're the ones that'll sell you out in a heartbeat. Now, I always try to put myself in the enemy's position. I'm thinking, well, I'm not just going to go bomb America. You know, that wouldn't be very smart. But I can infiltrate them. And that's exactly what's happening. We're at war right now, but nobody knows it because we're all, you know, we're looking for bombs in the sky. People have got, I don't know, they're either going to wake up or they're not. There's, you know, I can only try to speak a little common sense and, and hopefully it, you know, my sin to somebody. My sense, Brian, and, you know, I'm, I, 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 I'm in a position where I get to talk to people around the country, some who are influential, some who've been around a long time, some are just newly activated activists who are on fire. More and more people are feeling the result of this Democrat control, but they're also seeing it. You know, what was it, 312 or 20,000 illegal aliens crossed our border last month? I, I mean, it, the, the numbers are st- Staggering. Yeah, and they're taking over. You know, the, here in Denver, actually, it's affected us because they used to have, like, meals on wheels. So, you know, we like taking care of our seniors. You know, they're in a little bit of a pinch. 
oh, we're good people. We're going to step up. But I guess they said, well, you know, we can't afford that no more. we got to take care of all these uh, illegals that we invited in. I mean, we're being invaded. You, you, you figure the Chinese nationals that have come in, all those people, oh, come on. And, you know, we already know that Biden's bought off by China. Yeah, and and we already know that Obama sent Iran buckets of money, literally. Pallets. Pallets of money, money yep. Yeah. Yeah, and he said he wanted to fundamentally change America. We I are mean, guys, t- figure it out. We are being invaded. This is a war. This is not your conventional war. This is people outwitting us at this point because we've got a bunch of sell-off people who will take bribes for money so they can have, you know, they can live the good life. They're not thinking about the American people. It's it's just so obvious that, I, you know, I don't know. It frustrates me that more people just can't kind of. You said more are waking up, which I'm actually happy for, but I can't. It's just hard to believe there would be anybody out there to go, oh, okay, I guess. I mean, it's just dumb on its face, I guess. You know, I was at a at a place where I'll often get a meal and play a little bit of pinball, and there was um, uh, somebody who was playing on the machine. And so we played. Uh, some games against each other and got into some conversation and I was literally shocked at the absolute hate and I didn't announce myself as you know Tea Party chairman or national committee man or anything we just started talking a little politics and the visceral hate for Donald Trump that comes out of some people uh, there's no basis for it the the media turns it up and those who are watching the corrupt coordinated democrat controlled media machine buy right into it but it it is visceral and it certainly motivates their actions this is going to be a very rough tumble and i predict and fear ugly election season well let me tell you something if you if you hate donald trump then there's got to be something wrong with you because you can't say one thing you did bad to you yeah the, you know the, that's just a hateful stupid person who who has nothing better to do brian but i couldn't i gotta uh, believe that there's there's more there's better people out there yeah so i guess we'll see what happens i couldn't believe i i asked him i said yeah you know i i thought things were pretty good during the four years of trump they're not so good now and it was all just effing you know trump so, you know, yeah. no no point in trying to waste time reaching a voter like that. Um, you just got to get the folks who are on the fence, who voted Democrat because they bought into the lies about Trump, didn't understand the Biden laptop was true, and keep churning away. And, Brian, that's exactly what we're going to do. Thanks for your call, man. Thanks for kicking us off. God bless. All right. We love you, Randy. All right. We got no time for other callers, but we'll pick up the phone on the other side. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.